This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today on American Family Radio Glad to have you with us on the show. Exposing Washington is the name of the show. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host each week here on American Family Radio. You can always check out our website, AFR.net, AFR.net. Check out our website, AFR.net. Download the AFR app on your smartphone, on your tablet device. It's a great way to listen to American Family Radio. So various ways to keep up with the show online and on the app. Either way, whichever one is most convenient for you. There's an event coming up this week that I wanted to mention, and I will be there. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is where we will be this week. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on February 20th. That's this upcoming Thursday night, the 20th. And if you would like to register, you can visit our website, afa.net forward slash events, afa.net forward slash events. We'll be there myself. Abraham Hamilton III, Wesley Wildman, my brother, Rob Chambers of AFA Action. The four of us will be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, this upcoming Thursday evening. If you want to find out more information or to register, which you need to register in order to attend, you'll uh, if you go to this website that I'm about to give out one more time, you can register, find out the address, the time, uh, how to get there, all that information you need to know about this upcoming event in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. AFA.net forward slash events is how to register. I'll post that on my podcast page as well. This week, we're going to talk about a couple of different things, but mostly, or for the, for the most part of the show, we're going to talk about this Roger Stone fake controversy. It's, 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 there's really nothing there, which isn't that typically how it works with the Democrats. They seem to make a fuss about nothing. But we'll talk about this Roger Stone situation, if you will, and the backstory behind it and really the injustice that is being done to Roger Stone and really anyone else who dares to be close or to be to be a confidant of President Trump. The Justice Department and the justice system just seems to have a tendency towards putting in jail conservatives. For very minor process crimes, that seems to be a theme here going on in our country in in recent years. So we'll talk about that. Just to start off the show, I want to give you a backgrounder on this situation. So essentially earlier in the week, we have this Roger Stone court case, this criminal case against Roger Stone, who's a former, really just a former... Uh, Trump associate. He didn't even work for the campaign. 
in any sort of official capacity. I guess you could say he was a an associate or a friend of Donald Trump, which are thousands of other people. Well, Roger Stone got tied up in this Robert Mueller witch hunt, along with various other people like Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, and others. Well, Roger Stone got tied up in the Mueller probe, and he was interviewed by prosecutors, by investigators, and that led to what we're going to talk about today, and that is this uh, sentencing of Roger Stone. Basically, Roger Stone was charged on a few process crimes, meaning that the investigators began looking at Roger Stone and they could not find any criminal conduct done by Mr. Stone. So what do they do? This is what prosecutors do if they have a vengeance towards someone under investigation. They don't actually charge you for a, for a crime that occurred prior to the investigation. They charge you for a crime that happened during the investigation called a process crime, such as misleading investigators, witness tampering, tampering with evidence, things like that, which, I mean, they're crimes on the books, but had this phony investigation not began, then we would not have any process crimes. We would not have any uh, any jailing of Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, and others. The What happened this week is there were four prosecutors at the Department of Justice who were handling this Roger Stone case on Monday afternoon slash evening, the prosecutors filed their sentencing recommendation to the judge in Washington, D.C., and they recommended a whopping nine years for Roger Stone. For a mere process crime, they recommended nine years. And as Trey Gowdy, the former prosecutor from South Carolina, he was on Fox News this past week, as he noted, drug dealers, rapists, and even some negligent homicide um, criminals, criminals who have been convicted of negligent manslaughter, sometimes they don't even get nine years. And so the, the, the sentencing recommendation from the, the, the Department of Justice was way out of bounds. It was excessive, to say the least, and that's what began this entire story. I'm going to play, let's see, I'm going to play a clip. Let's go ahead and play clip four. This is Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, talking about this is a long clip, about two minutes. Just bear with me. This is two minutes of Bill Barr, the attorney general, basically setting up this entire situation this week, and he explains the overall context of what went on at the Department of Justice, clip four. The U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia signed off on, his name is on the recommendation that went in there. Yeah. How did that happen? On Monday, uh, he came by. 
uh, to briefly chat with me and say that uh, the team very much wanted to recommend the seven to nine year to the judge. And, but he thought that there was a way uh, of uh, satisfying everybody and providing more flexibility. Uh, and there was a brief discussion of that. I was under the impression uh, that what was going to happen was very much that I had suggested, which is deferring to the judge and then pointing out various factors and circumstances. Uh, on Monday night, uh, when I first saw the news reports, I said, gee, the news is spinning this. This is not what we were uh, going to do. So you were uh, surprised? I was very surprised. And uh, once I confirmed that that's actually what we filed, I said that night uh, to my staff that we had to get ready because we had to do something in the morning to amend that and clarify what our position was. So the following morning, and by the way, I don't look at tweets, I don't read tweets unless they're brought to my attention. So early the next morning, I was, uh, you know, putting that, putting that in motion and directing that that be done when someone walked in and told me that, about the president's tweet. That sort of illustrates how disruptive these tweets can be uh, uh, for the Department of Justice, because at that point, I had made a decision that I thought was fair and reasonable uh, in this particular case. And uh, once the tweet occurred, the question is, well, uh, now what do I do? And uh, do you go forward with what you think is the right decision, or do you pull back because of the tweet? And that just sort of illustrates how disruptive these tweets can be. Well, there you have it. That's Attorney General uh, William Barr, or Bill Barr. They're talking to ABC News, basically giving the background information, the context to what went on this week regarding Roger Stone's sentencing. There's a couple things I want to note there. And let me just add, I've been very pleased overall with William Barr. I've been very, very pleased with the attorney general. He seems very solid on various constitutional issues and uh, leading things in the right direction when it comes to the DOJ. But to start off that clip, basically the attorney general, general just admitted that he was misled by his own prosecutors. Did you catch that? Attorney General Barr said that, that the, 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 the lead prosecutor for this case, this Roger Stone case, came into his office on Monday and they both agreed that nine years was excessive and that they needed to leave it up to the judge, which is, uh, we'll get on that later in the show if we have time, about the this Obama, Obama appointee judge. But the prosecutor and the attorney general both agreed, at least the attorney general made it clear that nine years was excessive and that the prosecutors needed to completely leave it up to the judge on sentencing, but the, but the prosecutors, their job was to outline similar sentences, which should fall within the three- to four-year range. But instead, this prosecutor, after talking to the attorney general, went off Monday evening, and they did their own thing. They went rogue, ignored the attorney general, and they recommended a nine-year sentence for Roger Stone for a process crime.
Bill Barr then went on later in that clip to talk about how basically he had this entire situation handled even before President Trump tweeted out um, about uh, his frustration with the sentencing. So attorney Gen- the, the people who are trying to claim that President Trump directed Attorney General Barr to change the Roger Stone sentencing, the people who are recommending that or saying that that happened, they either don't know what they're talking about or they're lying. Because according to the Attorney General, he just said that late Monday evening, he had already told his staff that they needed to fix this situation the following morning on Tuesday morning. President Trump didn't even tweet about this until early Tuesday morning. So the attorney general already had planned to have this situation fixed even before President Trump stepped in. But I want to play, let's, let's, let's play clip one. This is what President Trump, clip one, what President Trump had to say about Roger Stone's sentencing. That was a horrible aberration. Uh, these are the, I guess, the, the same Mueller people that put everybody through I think it was a disgraceful recommendation. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Well, there you have it, President Trump, uh, letting it be known that he, he thinks this was a miscarriage of justice is what he called it, and that, th- that the prosecutors were way out of bounds in this excessive recommended uh, sentencing here. Another clip I want to play, which is really, really going to get into the heart of what's going on here. And by the way, let me just repeat this. I've said this in the past. I said it on the radio earlier this week. But the president is in charge. He's the chief executive officer of the entire executive branch of the government. That includes the Department of Justice. And so anyone accusing President Trump of wrongdoing here, of doing something illegal, of, quote, interfering in a court criminal case, the president, whether you like it or not, the president has the full authority to, quote, intervene in whatever he wants to intervene in when it comes to the executive branch. And that includes every single court case at the Department of Justice. Now, I'm not saying this always will look good if it appears that the president is interfering, basically trying to protect his, let's just say he had a friend, a close friend who was being prosecuted, and he was trying to intervene and weigh and uh, put his hand on the scale, if you will. Look, I understand that would look bad and it could look bad. But he has the right to do that as president. And if you don't like it, you can either impeach him, which they've already tried and didn't work, or you can vote against him when he's up for re-election. But, but legally speaking, the president can intervene in criminal cases and provide his recommendations and input because he's a president. But some people don't understand that. Why? Because they don't understand the Constitution. Let's listen to clip two. This is Nancy Pelosi, and this is a prime example of someone who doesn't understand the Constitution and the way our country is set up legally. Clip two, let's listen. We also saw the president this week demonstrate once again uh, that he 
does have, has no respect for the rule of law. His assault on the rule of law by engaging in political interference in the sent sentencing of his associate, Roger Stone, indicated an obstruction of in, in, investigation into Trump-Russia ties and uh, witness tempering. That's what Trump, that's what Stone was indicted for. This is an abuse of power that the president is again trying to manipulate federal law enforcement to serve his political interest. And the president is what he is. He thinks he's above the law. He has no respect for the rule. But where are the Republicans to speak out on this blatant violation? Well, there you have it. Nancy Pelosi lecturing America on the rule of law and President Trump's, quote, abuse of power. As I mentioned, anyone who has an elementary education on civics and on law know that the President of the United States is in charge of the Justice Department. He's the, the boss of the Attorney General, and he can weigh in on whatever criminal case he wants to. And he can fire prosecutors, and he can fire the Attorney General, and hire new ones that he thinks are going to do a better job handling different criminal cases. <laughs> the President also has... This little thing called pardoning power, or the power to pardon, that's also in the Constitution. So the the we've talked about this. This is this is like math. This is so, this is like addition. This is so basic. The president has the pardon power. He has the power to pardon. If the president has the power to pardon, he literally cannot obstruct justice. The president can pardon the most brutal criminals and murderers in the world. Now, should he do that? That's an entirely separate topic. Does that look good politically? That's an entirely separate topic. But from a legal standpoint, the president cannot obstruct justice. And really, he can't abuse power when it comes to execu uh, executive authority. I digress. Let's listen to clip five here. This is Tucker Carlson on Fox News talking about, yeah, we know the two-tiered justice system. If you're a Democrat, you get treated one way. And if you're a conservative, you get treated another. Clip five. That's why the Roger Stone case ought to horrify anyone who has followed it. Left or right, Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter. Nine years in jail for lying. That's what prosecutors have demanded that Roger Stone receive. How disproportionate is that sentence? Let's put it this way. James Clapper and John Brennan are both confirmed perjurers. They did it in public. They'll never be prosecuted. At this moment, they're getting rich on television. Meanwhile, for the crime of sending explicit sexual photos to a child, a serious felony, former Congressman Anthony Weiner got just 21 months and he served less. Weiner was an admitted sex offender, but he was also a close personal friend of Bill and Hillary Clinton's. And in the end, that's what mattered most. See how this works? Wow. Tucker Carlson there lays it out well. Let me just go through a few of the cases that he mentioned. Anthony Weiner from New York, he had he was sending explicit images, explicit sexual images to a child, someone underage. He got 21 months in jail and didn't even serve the full term. Not to mention he had a, a classified 
confidential State Department information on his computer. That's a separate topic. But he didn't even get charged for that. Andrew McCabe, I got this story right right here in front of me this week. The Justice Department announced that they're not going to pursue charges against former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, who lied under oath on at least two, maybe three occasions. He was also the one who started this entire Russia hoax, this illegal investigation. And so the DOJ, ah, eh, we're not going to press charges against Andrew McCabe. Ah, eh, not a big deal. Also, remember Hillary Clinton? The destroying of evidence, the obstruction of justice, where she tampered with evidence by destroying her email server, literally physically destroyed the email server with a hammer. She also used this software called BleachBit, which destroys everything on a server. Hillary Clinton's, her minions did all of that, and no one was held responsible. Look, I understand if you can't link the destruction of the email server back to Hillary Clinton herself, at a minimum, you can charge the IT guy who actually beat up the server with a hammer. I mean, at least we can charge him. But no one, absolutely no one related to the Clinton corruption got any kind of charge, nothing, not even like a day in jail, nothing, no indictments, nothing. But if you're Roger Stone and you're close to President Trump, like Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, and others, then the Justice Department is going to bring down all types. They're going to bring down all the full force of the Justice Department on you, and they're going to charge you for whatever type of process crime they can. That's how corrupt and messed up our system is. Has it gotten, has it gotten better? Maybe a little bit. But this stuff is still happening. This stuff is still happening. And as Tucker Carlson mentioned, if you're anywhere close to the Clintons, to the Obamas, if you're anywhere close to the Democrats, then the Justice Department completely looks over your case. But if you're a conservative, if you're Dinesh D'Souza, if you're Roger Stone, if you're Paul Manafort, if you're Michael Flynn, if you're Donald Trump, They're going to do their best to put you in jail. They're going to do their absolute best to put you in jail. And so maybe that's the type stuff that Attorney General Barr should be focusing on. Instead of criticizing President Trump for his tweets, which good luck getting President Trump to stop tweeting. That's what he does every day. He's been doing it from day one. Instead of Attorney General Barr focusing on President Trump's tweets and how he doesn't like them, blah, 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 why doesn't Attorney General Barr put Andrew McCabe, Hillary Clinton, and all the other lying crooks from the Obama administration in jail? Why do they not get charged for anything? The evidence is plain. It's clear. It's cut. It's black and white. On some of these cases, 
But no, we got to put Roger Stone in jail. We got to put the 70 year old or 70 plus year old Roger Stone in jail for the rest of his life so he can die in jail over a process crime. The same with Paul Manafort. He's in, Paul Manafort's in jail for, for some kind of banking finance charge from years ago that would have never been discovered had the crooked Department of Justice not went after him. It is, it, was it a crime? Yes, it was. Clearly, the jury convicted him. But we all know, everyone in this country, if the Department of Justice put 20 investigators on you, five prosecutors on you, they're going to find all kind of stuff on every single one of us. If you, if you put the Department of Justice against any one of us, they're going to find taxes five years ago you didn't pay. They're going to find some kind of registration you didn't do, some kind of IRS form you should have done, some kind of a signature on your mortgage from 10 years ago you should have signed. They'll find anything and everything they can to prosecute you. And as we see in the Roger Stone case, they will recommend the maximum sentence possible in order to make their political opponents die in jail. I want to play clip three here. This is Elizabeth Warren, the senator, talking about how she thinks, oh, Attorney General Barr should be impeached. Clip three, let's listen. Understand, right now, we should all be calling for the Attorney General to resign. What Barr has done should mean that we are demanding a resignation. And if that guy won't resign, then the House should start impeachment proceedings against him. Well, there you have it. Let's just impeach somebody else. We tried President Trump. Ah, that didn't work. Let's try Attorney General Barr. Why? For doing his job. Attorney General Barr's just doing his job, and we need to impeach him. This shows people that if we allow the Democrats to get back in charge of the White House, this type of corruption will go completely unchecked. I mean, we're already having a trouble reining in the corruption with President Trump in the White House. We got rogue prosecutors, rogue ambassadors, rogue cabinet officials doing whatever. They, we got rogue White House employees lying and leaking to the media, filing fake whistleblower complaints at the CIA. I mean, we're having enough trouble getting this place under control when we're in charge, when conservatives are in charge. Can you imagine putting a corrupt Democrat in the White House? This is going to be like the wild, wild west. You let a crony like Elizabeth Warren get in the White House? You talk about law and order or the lack thereof. You thought President Obama tried to, uh, tried to test his authority? <laughs> you put one of these socialists in the White House. They will, they will shred up the Constitution and do whatever they want with no checks and balances. They'll unleash corrupt prosecutors at the DOJ to go after conservatives. They'll come after American Family Radio. The FCC will come after our license. Call me crazy. Mark my word. You let a corrupt Democrat get in charge of the White House, they will use every single resource available to come after us. That's why it's important. We can't let people who fundamentally disagree with our Constitution to get back in charge of our government. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, check out our website, AFR.net. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.